Hello, my name is Tali. Hey everybody, I'm Johanna, and today we have a special guest with us. Um, Jamil, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, hey everybody. Uh, my name is Jamil Kendall. Um, I am a orthopedic surgery resident uh, here in Portland, Oregon at Oregon Health and Science University. Woohoo! Shout out to Black surgeons, Black doctors. Um, <laughs> so before, you know, I just want to shout out Jamil because he was my unofficial doctor when I fractured my wrist back in the spring. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for that. I mean, I was sending him all of my um, x-rays, telling him what my doctor was telling me. My doctor knew about him. So I was like on both ends, like, make sure you're not messing up. But thank you. Thank you. Uh, can you go ahead and tell um, us a little bit about how you got started? Uh, yeah, so... I grew up in uh, St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, and I wanted to do medicine from a pretty young age. Um, I always liked science, and it, it, I always kind of, you know, gravitated towards um, towards medicine. And so, uh, throughout like middle school, high school, that was kind of the path I was on. I went to uh, Georgetown University for undergrad, and I was pre med there. Um, and, you know, I did spend a lot of time kind of going through the motions. Um, you know, there wasn't anything that, that I liked more, uh, but it wasn't until my junior year, the summer after my junior year, I shouted an orthopedic surgeon back home. Um, and I was like, yeah, this, like, this makes sense. This is what I want to do. I want to operate and all that stuff. Uh, so after undergrad, I took like two years off. I worked as a sales rep for this orthopedic device company um, that basically made knee and hip implants. And so I did that back home while I took my uh, MCAT and applied to med school and all that. Um, and then I went to Howard in DC for med school um, and then graduated in 2018. So uh, matched out here for orthopedics. And so I'm in my fourth year now out of five getting ready to apply for my fellowships. Um, I'm planning to specialize in hip and knee replacements. Um, so yeah, I should I should know like in the spring where I'm going for my fellowship and kind of see where I go after that. What's the difference between residency and like a fellowship? So uh, they're pretty similar. They're all like, you know, training before your uh, final, you know, you, you start working in, in the as part of the actual workforce. Uh, your residency is like everyone does a residency. It's five years. You kind of get exposure to all the different uh, parts of orthopedics. Um, your fellowship is you kind of pick something that you want to specialize in. And I don't know, like 20 years ago, I think a lot of people kind of went straight into to working and did a lot more general orthopedics. These days, you kind of have to specialize, especially if you want to work in a you know a big city in a big market, um, because it's just so competitive. Uh, so there are a couple of different things that people specialize in. So our fellowships are just one year. Um, so I do one year somewhere, and um, you know, kind of hone my skills um, in one specific thing. And that's one year in addition to the five years of residency. Yeah, it's one year in addition. So it ends up being like yeah, like six years total. Um, for orthopedics at least. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot. I think I think that like for medicine in general, like it's a lot of delayed gratification. And you have to you have to kind of go into it, you know, knowing like I just I just turned 30 a couple of weeks ago and I've been in school since I was like four. <laughs> so 
there's a lot of it's a lot of school. Um, but you 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 know, I think it gets frustrating sometimes. But it's all it's, at the end of the day, it's all worth it. You know, um, get into to do something you love, um, even if it maybe takes a little longer to get to that final place than uh than some other other fields. So why bones? Um. So I initially I was like I played football and basketball in high school and like you know, I don't know I think like a lot of people everybody's like well you can do orthopedics you could be like a sports surgeon or something like that so that's that's what made me first think about it as like a as an option um I don't want to do sports anyways I don't, you know that's not my that's not my thing but I think for me like when I got to med school um. I didn't want to box myself in. And so I explored other like surgical specialties. Uh, like, I, you know, I had a mentor that was a general surgeon and, you know, I thought some of the plastic surgery cases were cool, but I, the surgeries, like we use like a lot of power tools, like, we use a lot of drills, a lot of saws, like a lot of like mallets <laughs> and the fun. surgeries are like, it's just fun. The surgeries are so much fun. Um, like there's finesse to it, but it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. We just really be getting after it. It's, I think the surgeries are just a lot more fun than the other, than some of the, a lot of the other specialties. Um, and then honestly, for me, I think, you know, I wanted to do something where what I do, like two things. I wanted to do something where I could like really change people's lives. And I think you know, like fixing a broken bone, doing a hip replacement, these things that people can like, like patients can really understand and appreciate because it changes their quality of life so much. You know, I think when you get into some of like the, the stuff that general surgeons do, while as important and like life-saving, I think it's harder for patients sometimes to understand like, what does my liver do? I mean, what is like my gallbladder burst? Like, what does that mean? Um, I, I think so orthopedics is just like visually for patients is, um, can be pretty rewarding. And then I also, you know, I recognize like, you know, if you're like a heart surgeon, like you got, you take a lot of L's, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of surgeries that don't go the right way, or there's a lot of people you can't save. And I, I, you know, knowing myself, I thought that would be too much for me. And so I wanted to do something where I can change people's quality of life, but I'm not really like risking people's lives often um, with, you know, with what I'm doing, so. Makes sense. So you said you're from the Virgin Islands. How, how mm -hmm. is that like growing up there versus, um, you know, I don't know what to call this, the big island. <laughs> <laughs> States. Yeah. Um, it was it was great. I think I had a, a great childhood. Um, it's a small place. I think there are like 60,000 people in St. Thomas. And so, yeah, it's tiny. I, the whole the whole Virgin Islands is like 100 and, 120 people. Nah, I can't. Yeah, 120,000. So everybody like knows everybody. And that's the thing. Yeah, like, uh -huh. you know, growing up, you kind of leave the house and you run into people that you know all the time and it's a small community um and like people are really nice and the weather is nice and like 
I don't know. It, it, it was a really nice, small, uh, close-knit, small community. Um, like, I went to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. I only went to one school. Oh, wow. And everybody in the school knew me. My, like, my fourth grade teacher was my little brother's fourth grade teacher. Like, I'd see her in the school, like, walking around. It's, I don't know. It, it's definitely different. I think, you know, it also gave me a little bit of a different perspective, like, when I came up here. Uh, because, you know, I had, like, I never really been far from home for, like, an extended period of time, like, away from my parents, like, most people. But, like, I was, like, far, far. And so, you know, you, you kind of have to adjust. Um, you have to adjust to that. Like, I wasn't able, like, you know, to go home every weekend or, like, you know, if I got a little homesick, I could really just hop off and go home. Um, so I think, but I think it prepared me really well. Like, I had a lot of, you know, important values that I was able to take with me to school. Um, and then I think, you know, where I grew up, it was like majority black. And so I think I was able to have like a strong, a strong sense of self um, starting in undergrad that, you know, I think I met people who struggled with that or I met people who had maybe faced a lot more adversity than I had um, just in their, in their upbringing. So I, I think it was, it was really good for me for, for reasons. Like I would, I don't know when I'll move back, if I'll move back, I'd like to, I'd like to, um, I had this idea where I live in a place where I can go back and forth easily. And, um, you know, on a regular basis, like I do surgeries down there, I have a clinic down there, I see patients down there. And um, I do really wanna be a part of the community again. I think that's been the hardest thing, especially like out here, you know, I've made it home every year since I've been here, but it's it's a long trip. It's like, you know, you gotta take a red eye at some point. Like it's multiple planes. It's it's a it's a long trip. And for my parents to come out here, it's it's kind of long for them too. Um, but because of the distance, I feel like I'm so separated. You know, like I don't really know what's going on. I gotta have my mom like update me every once in a while. So I do want to, you know kind of be more part of the community again at some point. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I have some plans to, to try to get That's dope, definitely giving back. Um, so you mentioned community. So how were you able to find like a sense of community when you like you know, went to school? Um, so I met, so I got to college and you know, we had like added people on Facebook and stuff, you know? So like we, I remember we went to like the first thing during the, like the first week of orientation or whatever, it was mad people on the on front lawn. And so I started like introducing myself to people I'd seen on Facebook and everybody I met was like, yo, have you met this dude? Uh, was he TK? Um, have you met this dude TK? He didn't used to go by TK. That's why I had to, I had to remember. But <laughs> have you met this dude TK? he's from the Virgin Islands. I was like, oh, nah. And then everyone was telling him the same thing. They were like, have you met Jamil? He's from the Virgin Islands. And so I met, uh, I met TK and we like instantly clicked. He's one of my best friends um, now, but he's, so he's from St. Croix. I'm from St. Thomas. And I think meeting him kind of gave me, you know, 
like a sense of home. Like we kind of had each other. Um, and then from there, we were kind of able to branch out into the, the larger black community at Georgetown. And then, you know, I got kind of tight with people that lived in my dorm too. Um, I think people were very open and welcoming. Uh, and then in addition, luckily for me, like my best friend that I went to high school with went to school in DC. And so, especially early on, I had a lot of places that I could go to for support um, in my early years in undergrad. And then we're able to kind of build, I was able to kind of build off of that and, you know, kind of create my, you know, my community. Like some of my best friends now are, you know, people that I've met in, uh, people that I met in college, like TK, he's my line brother. One of my other line brothers was so, you know, obviously really tight still. So um, between that and, you know, yeah, so. Greek life? Greek life, yeah. That was, that was important too. I, I like, I pledged my junior year. So I was only really Greek on campus for a year, but you know, that was a, at the time I kind of already, you know, I think a lot of people joined Greek life to seek community. Um, I had a community, uh, but it was like, a, it was a great addition. It was a great addition. So it was really, go ahead. How has that like aided, do you think, in your success, like in you know, school and professionally? Um, I think the biggest thing it did is it kind of taught me like you could do anything you set your mind to. Like there's there's nothing, there's no challenge that's too hard. Like if you want, if you want something, you can you can get it, you can make it happen. Um, I've met, you know. I'm a Q. I've met Qs like along the way that have been helpful. One of my my closest friends from med school is a Q. Um, you know, I've I've met different people that you know have been uh, helpful to me on my journey. But I think the the biggest thing is really really just knowing like anything you want to make happen, like you can make it happen if you want to work hard enough. Real. Real. And so moving to Portland all the way from, you know, you're in, what is it, Chocolate City? Um, <laughs> yeah. DC was formerly known as pre-gentrification mm -hmm. um, to Portland. How is that? And especially being a, I mean, a Black doctor in Portland, I can't imagine as many of you, you know. Yeah. Um, so I like, so for residency, there's this match process and you apply to a bunch of places, you interview and, you know, I remember I interviewed, I, I interviewed here. I remember it was like kind of a rainy day, but I really did like, there was something about it. Like when I met the people at the hospital, like the things they were saying, you know, their kind of dedication to uh, the residents and our learning and their teaching style. There's something that I really liked about it. And I'll be honest, like my program director at the time was very open about the lack of diversity, which caught me off guard because all the other interviews I went on, like nobody really like, talked about it. He was very like, he's like, I know Portland's white. He's like, we don't have any black faculty. He's like, I can, I can get you whatever you need, whatever resources you need. If you come here, I will, I will help you figure that out. If you need me to connect you to somebody else that's not in an apartment, I'll help you figure that out. And I remember leaving the interview and being like, that was like, was that, was it weird that he did that or was that a good thing? I remember calling my mom. I was like, I don't really know. I, 
but I like I sat on it longer, more and more, you know, and I think it really I think it really was um, kind of a, a sign of them and their beliefs. And, you know, I think it was all kind of it was all true. It wasn't like they were just putting on a show. For me. I think the things they said that day were accurate. Um, but even still, I don't think I expected to match out here. It's, and it wasn't low on my list or anything. I just I never really imagined living in Portland. Um, and so the transition was a little tough. I think I still struggle with the lack of diversity here. Um, you know, it's maybe a little easier for me because I'm at work so often. And so it's like, you know, it's not like I'm out and about in the city all the time, but, uh, I do still kind of struggle with that. And, you know, I don't know, I think it's a great city. Um, I've enjoyed my time here. I think it's, I've gotten like a bigger appreciation for like the outdoors and all the other like Portland type things, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I just, I just wish it was a little bit, it was a little bit more diverse. So have you like had any hesitation or anything from patients? Um, no, like because of my background no I've never uh I've never had anybody say anything really wow I've heard stories I've heard stories at OHSU and like in Oregon of you know people like patients being like yeah like I don't I don't want that person to take part in my care and you know different things like it definitely happens I think I've been fortunate um and I you know I think I benefit too from like being a man um, cause I've heard more stories from women like black women who, you know, have issues or, you know, they're questioned by patients and that type of stuff. Um, but no, I've never had anybody, you know, explicitly, you know, say or do something in the lobby out here. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm fortunate for that. Have you had anybody request you like request a black doctor? No, but what I will say is you know, every once in a while, I have a Black patient. And that interaction is always special to me, I think, because it's so rare. Like, mm -hmm. I don't I don't have a Black patient on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, really. Uh, so whenever I do, I think I really do try to cherish it. I try to, you know, give them a lot of extra attention. Um, you know, because there, there was one time, this, this is not necessarily someone... It's kind of the opposite thing. I remember there was this guy who got in a bad like car accident or something. And I happened to be at the hospital. Somebody came to me. They were like, Jamil, can you like talk to this guy? I had never met him. They're like, can you talk to this guy? Like he he's not letting us like draw his labs or something like that. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't mind talking to him. And so I go in the room, it's this black dude, and he's like, yo, like, I'm like, hey. It sounds like you didn't want to draw the labs. Did you have any questions? He was like, yeah, I just, I just asked why they were doing it. And no one, no one would answer me. He was like, I just said I didn't want to do it unless someone, like, talked to me. And what I realized after I went into the room is that the reason they came and grabbed me is because they were like, he's not listening. Maybe the Black guy can, like, get through something. It's like, listen I realized to what? I got into the room. You guys aren't saying anything. That's crazy. And that was the thing. I was like, I was like, oh, like. I answered all his questions. He's like, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. And so I think I realized, like, you know, 
whether it's on purpose or not, like I think patients of color need advocates because, you know, I've seen it. Like people are sometimes impatient. They have their biases, um, whether they know it or not. And so I think it's important whenever I do have the opportunity to really try to like pay extra attention because, you know, people get labeled as difficult as all these, these things in the hospital so quickly. And so I think it's important, you know, for myself or any other black physicians out there to, to really be an advocate for your patients whenever, you know, whenever they look like you, because it's important to them to, you know, they can kind of trust you. A lot of people have been wronged by the, the medical field, um, you know, and their requests get ignored and they have, you know, they have all these issues. I think it's really important for them to have somebody that they can trust um, in their corner. Yeah, I know. I know for myself, whenever I find a doc, I always request somebody black, whether I'm getting my blood drawn, like I'm seeing a doctor for anything like that's just my my go to. Yeah, and it's, it's weird. Like I, I grew up and I had all black doctors. I think that's one of the it's one of the nice things about like where I grew up, where I went to med school. Um, well, all I knew was like you could be black and you could do anything. You know, like there's a there's a guy that works back home. I think he's from like Memphis or something. He's an orthopedic surgeon. I was talking to him one of the times I was home. And he was telling me about the first time he visited. He was like, I grew up. He's like, I grew up. And there was like, you know, people were openly racist. Like there was Confederate flags. He's like, I came down here. Like the governor is black. The person that runs the hospital is black. Anybody that you need to talk to that's in a, in a place of power is black. And I don't know if I like maybe never realized the impact that that had on me. Like I, I got that I grew up in a majority black place and that that was a, a positive. But the fact that like, you know, there's really no limit for you know, anyone of color. Like you could, you could really and truly be whatever you want to be. I think maybe help me and never being afraid to kind of chase my dream. Yeah especially if you see examples of it every day. Yeah, which is, I wish I could do, I guess I could. I wish I, while I've been here, wish I'd done more kind of, you know, going to like schools, like talking to younger kids about, you know, about figuring out ways to kind of reach their dreams, having big dreams, not feeling limited. Um, I did a lot more of that in college. And in med school, but it's been, it's been, you know, it's kind of tough schedule wise um, to make that happen. But I think that stuff is important. You know, if you see, if you can see examples of things and you can know what your, what your possibilities are, but you don't really see those examples. It's hard for you to kind of imagine. It's hard for some people to imagine that they can, they can break down whatever barriers it is. Exactly. Especially in Portland, Oregon. I mean, I grew up in Portland and I remember when um, I found a black gynecologist. And I was so happy. Shout out to Dr. Heller. I found her and I put all of my friends on. And when I tell you, I was sending referrals left and right because we had never, you know, had a black woman doctor like that, you know, available mm -hmm. to everyone. That's why I remember uh, I was in med school. We went to this like old folks home. And I remember talking to one of the, the women that were there. She was like, she was like, I don't know if I could have a, a black doctor. 
And she was like, cause she was like, I never been, she was like, I never been to a black doctor. Yeah, she was black. She was like, when I grew up, there weren't any black doctors. She's like, that's all I all I know are white men, white male doctors. She's like, that's all I've ever seen. And you know, she was, yeah, she was old, but like, you know, that's only a couple of decades ago that there were none of us. There still aren't a lot of us. I think orthopedics is like, I don't know, it's like 2% black males or something like that. It's, it's low. It's, you know, our field is probably less diverse than a lot of other fields, um, but it's still not a lot of us. It's still, it's still a big disparity, big uh, racial disparity in medicine. Um, that's why schools like Howard and Meharry are important. Like those two schools put out like 50% of black doctors in the country or something like that. Um, so it's, it's important to kind of, you know, keep, keep letting kids know that they could, you know, what their opportunity, what their possibilities are up in the middle school. So the woman at the nursing home, did you later treat her or was that just like a visit? No, we were there. We were there like for like a day or something like that. We were just there for a day hanging out with them. Um, and she wasn't mean about it, but she was like talking to this a girl in my class and giving her like honest, just giving her experience. And she was like, yeah, since I was a little girl, I've only had white male doctors. And so she was like, that's kind of all I know. Um, and she she wasn't questioning her abilities, like the, my classmates' abilities. She was just telling like, this is her experience. And I, I get that. I can see that. You know, I can see how you can, you know, one thing, you just know one thing to be, to be the way. You know? Yeah. I also think that we don't realize how much like the bias that white people have can translate to you as a black person. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, That's true. I think we subconsciously <laughs> can take on a lot of that stuff. For sure. I mean? When I first moved to Philly, I was literally scared of black people from Portland. Really? Yeah. It was really sad. I'm really sad to say that. But looking back, I was like, it was weird. And I was like, why am I scared? Like, why am I? I was scared to like walk. Well, I want to take the train. The cat calling was like very unfamiliar compared to like Portland. You can mind your own business. No one talks to you. Nothing happens here. And then like you're walking one block and too many people are talking to you. So I was like, what is happening? Like, yeah. people are talking to me and you're scary like in my mind it, yeah I I got over it pretty quickly but it was like a weird realization well like I so I see that with like I won't say scared but I see like I think about my parents like my parents are from Antigua they moved to St. Thomas before I was born like they only lived in the Caribbean and, you know, I, I hear some of their thoughts about, you know, like African-Americans and like their misconceptions about Black people in the States. Um, and it's, it's, it's a similar thing. It's like they, you, know, you take on like what white people have said, what the media says about Black people. You kind of, you never seen it. And so you kind of like believe it to be true, like, mm-hmm. you know. And so I've gotten it back and forth with my parents about, about different things. Um, but back to the same thing, like when I, when I moved up here, growing up in St. Thomas, I didn't really like understand a lot of the hit. I knew the history, but I never like experienced the things that some people had experienced growing up. And so I kind of had to 
see some of these things for myself. I had to listen to people and talk about their experience to kind of begin to understand it. Um, and I, you know, I understand it very well now, but uh, that was, that was not an adjustment. It was just a, it was just a, a time of learning and, you know, and growth when I was in, when I was in undergrad, I learned a lot about myself, I learned a lot about so would you say that your first experience with like racism happened in the States? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Are, are we, am I able to curse? Can I curse? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I <didn't> really sure. <laughs> nah, the only, the only thing I remember growing up, I remember this white dude called me a nigga, but he said it like, not, he, he said it like not trying to be hurtful. He was just like, he said it. And I was like, "What do you like? You can't, you can't say that." And he like apologized, and he was like, "I didn't mean anything by it." Like, you know, he was just hanging out with us. He was like, "I, I he thought was I could guy? say it." It was a white dude, yeah, 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 back home, and he never said it again. And it, but like other than that, I don't remember anyone ever like doing anything like weird or you know. Uh, then I got to co- I got to college and. I would just see and hear different things. I didn't have a lot of like explicit things said to me, um, but more like, you know, microaggression type stuff. I, you know, um, and then I heard a lot of, heard a lot of stories. Uh, I remember we had this one like running with the cops on our graduation night, that was weird. So yeah, I just saw, I started to see different things and kind of see how the world operates and see how we were like, we were, as a black community, like fighting for people to, you know, kind of treat us the same. Um, they had, they definitely had some like racist things where like, I think they were like a noose or something like that on campus. They had like some, some things like that, that happened that were big issues um, while I was there. Yeah. But bef- yeah before that, not really. Mm-hmm. So, you're in your last year in Oregon, and you said you're looking to um, apply for a fellowship. Is that mm-hmm. so? How oh, does, I got one how more does, year after this, but yeah. So how does that work? Do you because I know with matching, right? You apply, then they choose you. So the match process is so you apply, places invite you for an interview, and then you go on however many interviews. So let's say you interview at ten places. Um, you I'll. I'll make a list one to 10 and I'll send that list in. Each program will make a list um, of all the people they interview one to whatever and send it in. And then some computer like matches, like matches you into the highest place that ranks you the highest basically. Um, so you just, you open up an envelope one day and it tells you where you're going. Um, it's, it's kind of a wild process. <laughs> and you have to sign a thing. You have to sign a thing that basically says, like, yeah, I'm gonna go wherever the paper says. Before you see the paper. Yeah, like you're if you, if don't you get if, so if uh it, so for fellowship, for fellowship, if I don't get matched, then if I don't match, then it doesn't, you know, I would just finish my program and then try to find a job if I didn't match anywhere. No, I mean um, residency. Like, what if for residency? Yeah. So, or is that not possible? No, it is possible, and I know it is possible. So, mm-hmm. for residency, if you don't match, 
you could there's this thing called like when you scramble into like the spots that are left so like let's say i didn't match an orthopedics but there was like a family medicine spot available i could be like i'm gonna just change my career path and do something else Ooh. so that seems so crazy like what yeah. people do, do that, that often not often it's not a lot of people that don't match but there are people every year that don't match yeah. so you could do that i know i know not surgery but i know someone who i know a couple people who are like trying to change their path because it didn't match so there's that you could try again the next like the next year and maybe, you know, work, uh, do research for a year, do something else for a year. Um, or you could like, you could try to work like in the industry, like at a consulting firm, you know, cause you'll have like, when you graduate med school, you have an MD, um, you know, you have a degree, you could, you could try to work as a, phys- not as a practicing physician, um, but you could do like consulting or some sort of or other like non-clinical job if you end up never matching. And that happens sometimes. But yeah, it's a, it's a stressful time. Say that one more time. What goes into consideration? Is it like your grades, your resume? Like, yeah, it's everything. So like your grades, your class rank, uh, is important. We take, we take some board exams. And they they lean heavily on your score from those exams. Um, and that can kind of like decide your career path. Wow. Um, and they're actually about to change the test. But when I took the test, you know, like for orthopedics, at least, like a lot of places have a cutoff because they get so many applicants. And it's so competitive. And so like if you don't score above a certain number and you take the test like your second year in med school, if you don't score above a certain number, you might say, well, I can't, I, I can't pursue like certain specialties because I'm never going to, my grade, you know, my score is not high enough to get in. Um, then they consider stuff like research, your letters of recommendation, um, yes, your grades, your, you know, your evaluations, that type of stuff. Your personal statement probably matters a lot. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard. It's a it's a stressful time. With your med school, it's a stressful time. Yeah, to go through four years of med school and then not be matched, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 why it's a stressful week because you find out, you find out on like the Monday, you get an email, and the email says like either you match or you didn't match. Well. And then you don't find out where you're going until that Friday. So between Monday and Friday, everybody that didn't match has to try to figure out what they can do. Oh. Yeah. You're on mute, Tommy. Were you happy with your match? Oh, like where? Where I matched? Yeah, I was surprised. There's a, there's a video somewhere. I was surprised. Um, I thought I... I thought I was gonna match somewhere else, um, but I was happy. I think once I like, once I like settled into it, I was like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm about to move to Portland for five years." <laughs> <laughs> like, wow! That was like the biggest thing. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I'm about to, I'm about to live in, in Portland. My mom was like, "Portland? Is that 
where is that? Like that? Oregon? <laughs> yeah. My uh, my friend Chantel, she's from St. Thomas. And so she moved to Seattle at the age of five with her mom and her stepdad mm. from the island. And it was a, you know, a hard adjustment for them. Yeah, I bet. It's different. The weather's different. Mm-hmm. Um, the pe- the makeup of the people are different. It was far. I think the, the distance was other so far. Mm-hmm. And I knew like I'm the I'm the first black person to match in my program. And I had a feeling. I, I couldn't confirm, but I thought that would be the case. So I remember like emailing my program director to confirm. And but you're the first black person to match? In so, uh, at OHSU. Yeah, yeah. Wow. In this program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I don't know. I think I came to, I basically was like, oh, like this is, you know, this is my chance to kind of go out there and try to make a difference in the culture and, you know, see if I can, you know, at least bring somebody else along with me before I leave. Um, so that's still my goal. I haven't been able to yet, but I've had a lot of conversations with people about ways that we can do that and work towards that. And they've been receptive. Um, they've been receptive. So we'll see. I feel I feel good about, you know, by the time I leave, that I hopefully I'll know that there's at least one more coming. After. And so the when you went for your interview, you said that you mentioned um, the person who was talking, they was talking about like, if, you know, if they didn't have what you needed, they would find that resource for you. Yeah. So did they end up fulfilling their end of the bargain? Uh. I didn't, I never really asked for much. Um, they put me in touch with, there's this guy, Dr. Don Spite. He's a general surgeon, a black guy that, you know, when I first got here, it was very like active in diversity efforts at OHSU, like pretty much anything diversity, like he was on it. He uh, really changed the general surgery department. Like my intern year, I think there were five, out of the 12 um, interns were um, underrepresented, um, underrepresented minorities um, in medicine. It's like black, Latinx. Um, and so he's really made like a lot of waves uh, or headway uh, for their department and with the anesthesia department. Like the anesthesia department here is like the most diverse in the country. What? I know, <laughs> but it's, 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 they're very, it's a very diverse uh, department. And so I got plugged in with Spite when I got here. There were different people that like reached out to me. Like I, I was on the tram and someone was standing there and they were like, are you the, are you the orthopedic surgery resident from Howard? I was like, oh. uh, yeah. He, he like introduced himself to me, this guy, Dr. Thomas, Charles Thomas, who was like, he was the chair of the radiation oncology department here. And like, a, he's a big deal in this field. And so there were there were people that like reached out, like Dr. Thomas would email me, he'd be like, hey, like, let's set a meeting for you to come by. Let's talk about what you need, how I can help you. So I was able to get a lot of what I needed without necessarily having to go to my department to have them get it for me. But I, I think if I if I wanted something like, you know, I I'm the one of the chairs of our like resident diversity council or committee. And 
my department's always been very good about, you know, if I'm like, hey, can I leave this clinic to take this meeting during the day or can I do this, can I do that? They've always been really receptive of it um, and haven't really gotten in the way of anything. So uh, I, I feel I feel supported by them when I ask for things. I don't ask for things a lot, but when I do, I feel like I, I get the support I need. That's good. So what but would you say? Thing- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, once again, I think, I don't know if that's everyone's experience because I've heard from other people who, you know, have not felt as supported. I think it's my department. I think my department's. Yeah, they made the real effort. So what would you say to any Black child out there that wants to pursue medicine? What advice would you give them? Um... I think you just work hard. I think work hard and try to try to ask questions of everyone, anyone you meet that you can ask questions about how they did what they, anyone you meet that's in the field that you wanna be in, ask them how they did it. And always, always reach out for help because when I was younger, I thought you could, you could do a lot of it by yourself. Like, you know, you just, these are the steps and you just do them, but you need help, everybody needs help. Um, and so reach out, try to, try to find people that can help support you to get to where you get to the next step, because nothing needs to be, it it doesn't need to be rewritten. You know, it's, there's a, there's a path out there to get to whatever you want to get to. Um, you just need to find the people that can help you do that. Uh, and don't give up. It's, it's a long, hard road to get to the end and like I'm not at the end but I can I can feel it like it feels close um you know and so I think just knowing that like you really have to have the perseverance and you're probably gonna have some hiccups along the way like it won't be perfect but you just gotta kind of keep pushing and you know if you love it it's worth it so what would you consider the end, the end of your residency or the end of your fellowship? Um, I think the end of my fellowship is probably what I think of as the end. But like these days, you know, kind of how I'm thinking about uh, like next steps, like are very much like thinking about how do I look for a job? What kind of where do I want to live? Like things that are much more like my career and not so much my training. Um, you know, asking different people their thoughts on like private practice or working in academics or all these things. Um, my kind of focus is shifting a little bit. And I think it's because um, I, I do feel like I'm about to be at the end of my training. It's still a couple of years, but I don't know. It feels like it feels sooner than that. Pretty short um, compared to the rest. For what exactly, <laughs> exactly. Percentage wise. Yeah. <laughs> percentage wise it's not a ton left so you know I'm excited for it though I'm you know I'm excited to see what what options I have um I'm excited to and and nervous too to like actually be working by myself and you know being responsible for all this like it's nerve-wracking so um but, you know one of the things kind of like looking in into medicine and people who are in medicine it seems like for me like the only reason if I were to be a doctor is 
like the paycheck it seems like you guys paid get paid a lot but like I like the my real question is like why would anybody go through <laughs> all that just for paycheck when you can you know figure out other ways to make money exactly so what's your like why because it can't be you know the money at the end of the road no it's not it's not the paycheck and that's why i say like if you love it it's worth it because if you don't love it it's not worth it yeah. it's not worth it it's not worth the paycheck it's not worth it's not worth all that other stuff you have to love it um for me i know how i i I know how I feel when I'm in the operating room and I know how I feel when I'm dealing with patients and like that, I think even more than the operating room, I think for me, the patients are the why, you know, like we see so many people at their worst and at their lowest and we get to kind of, you know, hold their hand and kind of help them get back to where they were. And that's always our goal as orthopedists is like, we want you like, you started here, now you're down here, and we want to get you back here, and we're gonna help you along the way. Um, so I think that I think that's my why. And then you know I recognize how I can kind of take these skills and you know like go back home and apply them, or like go to different communities and apply these skills, and you know really it's a it's a great way to give back. Um, and it's you know these skills that like not everyone has. Um, and so to be able to kind of become a specialist in something and then utilize these skills to, to help people is great. But yeah, the money is not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not or worth the student it. loans. Or the student loans. <laughs> I, my student, I feel like my student loans aren't even like a real thing. The number doesn't make sense. It's, yeah, I don't know. Come on, Biden, forget them student loans. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just holding on. I, I, I'm open the account one day. It's going to say zero. Speaking to exist. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right. I'm waiting for it, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you really have anything else you want to share? Um, I think I think we covered a lot. I really appreciate y'all asking me to, uh, to join this. And, you know, I think it's really good what y'all are doing, kind of highlighting different people and, you know, different fields and that type of stuff. I think it's always important to kind of, you know, not even talk about myself, but like, you know, give people their props and I think that's cool. So I, I thank y'all for, for asking me to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank for you. On. Thanks for coming. So what, um, I'm gonna go around, Tali, what drinks do you have in your hand today? I got some body armor. I okay. just put it in a glass. <laughs> It's a real. What do you have? Uh, I got a cider. For you. All right. And I just have some orange juice. I was gonna make a mosa, but I realized I was working, so <laughs> orange juice for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's toast the black surgeons and black doctors. Uh, cheers. 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 <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jamil. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great day. Okay. Thank you, you too. Bye. Yeah.